Thank you for tuning in to the Beyond the Check Service Industry Podcast. If you're enjoying what you're listening to and all my amazing guests have to offer, please consider supporting the show by subscribing to our Patreon. The link is at the bottom of the descriptions. All donations go to support our ability to continue to bring you fun and informative content. We can never do it without support from the listeners like you. So thank you. I appreciate you all. And without further ado. Well, uh, welcome, sir. Do you have any questions before we start? No, I'm good to go, man. You, you just do your thing and... Uh... I'll answer the questions, and hopefully we'll have a good conversation here. All right. Sounds like a plan. Let's do this thing. Welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Check Service Industry Podcast, where we talk about all things service industry-related and whatever else I feel like talking about. If you haven't yet, please go watch my television series, Beyond the Check Worker Owner Edition, where I hang out with fantastic chef owners, find out about their lives, the history of the restaurant, and of course, they cook up and let me try some of the best dishes they have to offer. My guest today is a fantastic gentleman. He's a weight loss coach and an emotional eating expert. He's lost 100 pounds himself, and now he's on a mission to help others lose weight for good. His company is Freedom Nutrition Coaching. Ladies and gentlemen, John McLernan. How are we doing, man? You know, I, I felt just a little bit of envy listening to your description of getting to go to these restaurants and having chefs prepare you amazing dishes that you get to <laughs> get to evaluate. I think, man, that's, that's close to a dream job, I'd say. I mean, you make, you make your own path in life, man. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Yeah. I just called them and they were like, okay, cool, come on. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a good way of making that work. Hey, so I show you make up. me good food. I'll say I'll say nice things about you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a fair it, trade. That's it. So, yeah. Uh, where are you right now? You look like you're under well, the sea. <laughs> yes, my backdrop makes it look like I'm in a submarine. But actually, I live in a city called Red Deer, which is in Alberta, Canada. So I'm about uh, six hours north of the border from Montana. For any American listeners, oh, this is chilly. And Ch- chilly up there. It, it is. So in Celsius right now, it's say minus 17. So I think that's somewhere like, uh, might be around, I don't know, uh, it could be like something like in the, in maybe 10 degrees Fahrenheit. 10 degrees. Like cool. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Super cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. We've got the Rocky Mountains about an hour and a half west of us. And so we're kind of just on, the, we call it the foothills. And, uh, yeah, it's a really beautiful part of the world. Um, you know, if you see tourist brochures of Canada, you're going to see photos from like the glacier lakes in, in the Rocky Mountains that are kind of in our backyard. So, very nice. And uh, yeah. yeah, you can you ski, you ski a lot. I, I don't actually. No? I probably should. You know, <laughs> I mean, I did when I was when I was younger. It makes me sound like I'm old. I just ticked over forty, but uh, I did when I was younger. But yeah, uh, I found it to be kind of an. Ex- yeah, I've got kids, and it's an expensive hobby. So, <laughs> touche, touche. Uh, travel is really like uh, the thing that we love to do. My wife and I love to do the most. Um, uh, I've, I'm a huge fan of of like ethnic cuisine and experiencing different things around the world. And uh, really, travel allowed us to indulge a lot of that, as well as experience a bunch of different cultures. So, uh, I would I would opt for travel over skiing um, because I think the way that my brain works, I. Yeah, I get more and more lit up by going to a different culture, listening to a different language, eating food that I wouldn't routinely eat, and just being immersed in that kind of experience. And you're less likely to break your leg. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> yeah, I, I, did, I did hit a tree once when I was skiing. Um, I, w- I was relatively new to skiing. I would have been about, I don't know, 15, 16 years old or something like that. And I wore glasses at the time too, which is, you know, so I'm skiing downhill, got my glasses on. Kind of lost a little bit of control and went and actually crashed into a tree, just like those cartoon, you know. Yeah. Looked just like a cartoon. Just, just arms spread around it, legs around yep. it. Yep. Ski, and then fall skis flat. pointed up in the air. Yeah. And then my glasses got knocked off. And of course, the snow is like a couple feet deep, but I'm blind as a bat with my glasses. So I'm like stunned because I hit a tree. Glasses <laughs> are knocked off. And I'm like, I don't even know if I'm going to find these things. How the heck am I going to get back down the hill when I'm trying to like, <laughs> you know, it was just. <laughs> <laughs> and that so was the maybe, last maybe time you went skiing. <laughs> Close to it, actually. Like maybe that's the whole reason we did. We did some backcountry <laughs> snowboarding as uh, as young people as well. Um, which where uh, where I lived, we had some hills and stuff that we could kind of hike up with our snowboards and and just snowboard down the hills. But yeah, actually, you know what? It was when I moved to when I left my hometown and moved to moved to a city where there weren't really any mountains near me. Um, I think that's when I kind of got away from it and I got in, got the travel bug instead. There you go. So you've been you've been all over. You were uh, lost your bio. 
Tell me about yourself. Uh, for, well, <laughs> I mean, I've had I've had quite the quite the backstory just in terms of you know I was a nanotechnology researcher at a university. Uh, I then became a marine engineer in the navy, and I, I spent six years doing that. I did two three year stints with a one year break in between where I went and lived in Australia. Oh, uh, nice. My wife is my wife is an Aussie, and then we packed up our lives and hopped on a plane to Mexico, started living down there, and that kicked off a it ended up being like a three year kind of globe trotting adventure. And uh, we didn't we didn't leave with the idea that we we're going to go for three years. We just kind of left without a plan. <laughs> we're like, yeah, let's just kind of see what happens, you know? Because most people, you know, they save up money, they buy a house, they just kind of get into this. And we're like, uh, uh-huh. well, we could buy a house or we could travel the world. Let's 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 travel the world. And you know what? In hindsight, that was the best decision we could have ever made. So um, you can always um, buy a house later. Maybe you've, yeah, maybe you yeah. have by now. <laughs> uh, I haven't actually. Oh, good for and you. I think the way that uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There's. There's pros and cons. You know, if something breaks in my place, I just call the landlord and he fixes it. Um, I'm not tied to a mortgage. I think that was like the thing for us is because my wife and I are, are quite nomadic. Um, obviously, COVID put a bit of a damper on that and and uh, having a kid. But I think the idea of being tied to something, I mean, I mean, I know you can sell a house, but it was just this idea of being tied to a huge, monstrous chunk of debt. I mean, and yes, again, we could argue that it becomes an asset and, you know, once it's paid off, but uh, and so maybe, maybe we actually will look at buying a house in the next couple of years. So it it's a like, double-edged sword. We bought a house last year. Yeah. I guess it's been about a year and a half now. And yeah, we've, we fixed the air conditioner already. We had to redo the entire HVAC <laughs> system actually because the furnace went out instead of replace the furnace because it was so old and you had to replace the air conditioner too. We've had the pipes drilled out because they were clogged and just like <laughs> flaking on the inside. I mean, just... The microwave died, I shit you not, three weeks ago, and it took two weeks to get a microwave because of supply chain issues, so you don't know what life's like without a microwave until you don't have one. Yeah, yeah. Just try to warm up, like, your coffee, right? Like, (laughs) oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're like, I don't want to cook with a microwave, really, but it is damn nice to have. (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's awfully convenient. Um, I, I like the idea of outsourcing my cooking to appliances that I don't have to monitor. So, you know, I have like a rice cooker, an instant pot, uh, an air fryer, yep, yep, uh, yep. slow cooker. Yep, yep, yep. You know, it, it's that, that, that's kind of my style nowadays is like, I'm just going to put it in there and kind of set it and forget it. Uh, right. If it, are you the cook in the house? Do you do all the cooking? Uh, I, I do quite a bit more of it. My wife does more of the baby food prep. Um, and so, cause she's kind of, cause we're trying to keep our kid eating healthy food as much as possible. He's, he's just ticked over one. And so, you know, being a nutritionist, I'm like, oh man, I don't want to give this kid like goldfish crackers. Like that's just, <laughs> that's just a bad idea for his developing brain, you know, and probably I'll be less protective if we have another kid, but <laughs> first, first time around, I'm like, no, I know how, I, I work in the field of behavioral psychology as well as nutrition. And so I'm like, I know what this does to developing brains and I don't want him having it. So All right. no um, McDonald's till you're after 12. Yeah, basically. <laughs> or ever. We, or well, ever. We, we, we got, uh, my wife and I got Big Macs last night. We haven't had a Big Mac for. Oh, uh, how'd you feel? Prob- more than 10 years. Uh, I think more just disappointment. Because it was just a fl- <laughs> fluffy bun. I'm yeah, like, where's, no. where's the burger patty in there, man? No, like, it's terrible. It's like the size yeah. of, it's like the size of a half dollar. It's like. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, we, we had a coupon, like, you know, so they were three bucks each. So we're like, okay, but I'd never pay full price for a Big Mac because you're paying for a bunch of bun and lettuce with a couple of little. No, there's, tiny... there's a trick to that too. If you can just order the McDouble and you yeah. add lettuce and Mac sauce. Yeah. And it costs, what, a dollar fifty or something? Maybe it's $2 now. I don't know. But, a little higher in Canada. But, but otherwise, if you buy the, yeah. the Big Mac by itself, it's like four fifty. Yeah. So that middle bun costs $2.50. Yeah, that was, that was kind of kind of how I felt about it. So what mm-hmm. I actually used to do is is actually order a grilled chicken patty to go with my McDouble, and and jam that in there instead of bun. <laughs> this like, is this is coming from the nutritional specialist people. <laughs> yeah, get an extra twenty seven grams of protein out of my burger, right? <laughs> and then I ask for a glass of water, and then I go and get soda water instead. So instead of drinking pop, I would drink if I want something fizzy and bubbly, I'll drink like soda water. Uh, I, I kind of acquired a taste for that when I was living over in, in, in Europe. Uh, we lived in Italy, Poland, uh, UK, and Turkey. And so, geez, you have been all over. Yeah. So th- those countries, they, they drink carbonated water a lot more than we do over here. I mean, it's becoming more of a thing with like St. Croix and bo- Boobly or Bubbly uh, or whatever yeah, you call those, that stuff. Those are the nasty ones. You know what the best? I don't know if you have Kroger in Canada. Do you have Kroger? Uh, we don't. No? Bummer. Kroger brand seltzer water is the best soda water that I can find. And okay. I've tried every single one of them. 
Uh, I'm, I'm writing that one down. I do, I do, um, uh, is it not Schweppes? Canada, well, okay, we, yeah, it's in Canada, Swap, of course. Schweppes, 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 Schweppes. The, yeah, the, ginger, the ginger ale company. <laughs> yeah, they do, they do a, a soda water that I... That I really like, um, like the cheap because I look at the potassium content because <laughs> I'm a nutritionist, <laughs> and the good uh, stuff has a higher potassium content. And potassium really? is actually, re- yeah, it's a really important mineral for us. Potassium helps us put sodium into our cells. Not that anybody ever cared about that before, but now, now you know. Good um, to know. And we tend to be deficient in potassium. Like you know, cooked spinach and cooked tomatoes are good sources of it. If anybody cares, now that we're talking about potassium, I do care. But, I do care. Let's. Yeah. I, I want to know more about the potassium. Tell me, tell so, me all about the potassium, John. <laughs> well, so that's what got me into drinking the soda water is because it has, say, 75 milligrams of potassium per serving versus maybe 10 milligrams in the cheap stuff because it costs a little bit. You, know, that's, you get a little bit of different flavor um, because of this as well. But you're, when you go from raw spinach to cooked spinach, you increase the bioavailability of the potassium in there, and so you get 10 times more out of cooked spinach. Because um, I used to track uh-huh. my – for a period of time, I tracked my nutrition um, using an app called uh, Chronometer has like a little, it's like a little apple with a target on it and an arrow going into it and it's red in color. But what it does, it gives you like a full breakdown of all the micronutrients, all your vitamins and minerals, not just um, protein, carbs, fat, and calories. That's in your so body. I, yeah. Well, no, in the food that you eat. So oh, then the I was like, okay. So then I started trying to engineer my diet in a way that I would hit all the targets on like these different minerals like potassium and chromium and selenium and stuff like that. So now I eat like five Brazil nuts a day, for example, because I'm like, oh, that's where I got my selenium from, you know? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> what, what, what is selenium doing for us? Um, you know, I actually haven't memorized the function of selenium. I just know it's an important it's – it's, it's, it's a trace mineral essentially. In other words, we don't need a lot of it. Um, right. And that's the fun that, – like minerals are double-edged sword. Like iron is the one that we think about most commonly. And I'm a little bit low on iron right now. I just had my blood work done because I'm a, a, a frequent blood donor. I donate six times a year. And so, uh, it, yeah, it's actually in one sense, minus the iron deficiency that can come from it, um, donating blood can be quite healthy because it stimulates the production of new red blood cells. So I'm like, cool, I'm going to offload the old stuff and get my body to make some new stuff and save some lives and eat some cookies. Right. The Red so, Cross needs to push that a little harder. Oh, man. <laughs> like, the so health it, benefits it, of giving blood, right? It's maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not just well, saving other lives. You're saving one your own. Thing I think, yeah, the one thing I think is um, I think in the U.S., though, you have like clinics where you get paid to donate, whereas ours is voluntary. And there is a bit of a downside to that because what you'll get is sort of the more vulnerable elements of your population mm-hmm. going routinely to do this more often than they should and like faking things. And, and the clinics don't really care because they're getting their product. And it's, you know, I'm like, what are they doing with this blood plasma? Well, we're getting into it like. <laughs> yeah, because it's the plasma <laughs> that you get paid for. I don't think I don't think anybody pays you for your actual blood donations. But yeah, the plasma, the plasma is yeah. going to like rich people, you know, and so they're, <laughs> they're making a lot of money off of this plasma. Uh, you know, kind of, so I don't know. I, I have like mixed feelings about that, but when it comes to being a blood donor, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. So, um, my goal is to hit 200 donations in the course of my lifetime and I've hit 28, I think so far. So yeah, you got plenty of time. Yeah. I can only do six <laughs> a year. So it's a goal that's going to take me until I'm probably, I think 68 years old. So another 28 years of working on this one. Good luck, sir. Yeah. You, you, <laughs> so you got this, this six times, like the most that, that they'll allow you. To get blood uh, for males, year? yes. For females, you can only do it four times in a year because, of course, um, they have blood loss with with their monthly cycle, and so um, they're only allowed to donate four times a year. Uh, whereas uh, males are allowed to donate six times a year. Good to know. Good to know. You can yeah. you can save up to six lives a year. <laughs> yeah, gentlemen. And, oh, yes. <laughs> oh, and as a side note, I forgot with potassium. Um, potatoes are another great source of potassium. Really? Yeah. I, I the did humble not know potato. That gets a bum rap you think just the banana when you think potassium right you think the right, little you think, you think just the little mm-hmm. and it's like they're not even the best sources out there <laughs> that's the irony of it is it in the potato skin or is it in the whole all of the potato uh it's th- throughout the flesh of the potato as well you know the the humble potato it gets a bum rap because of like hash br- <clears throat> excuse me hash browns french fries potato chips all these kinds of stuff right which so we've taken a, actually a really nutrient rich tuber and converted it into a highly processed nutrient empty product salt. at the end of the day. Now right. it's now it's just carbs and salt. Carbs, salt, fat flavors. I mean, <laughs> hey, look, I like I like look, potato chips taste good. I'm not dumb. Like the, I was I was in food chemistry as well. Like they engineer them to taste really good. But they're like they're nutrient empty. But I think the other night I just I boiled up a big pot of potatoes and you know boiled potatoes 
have the highest satiety index of any food. In other words, when you eat boiled potatoes, you will feel more full and physically satisfied than eating any other food. That's why we love potatoes on our plates. My wife, yeah. my wife, potatoes, yeah, whatever, potatoes, yeah. potatoes, potatoes, mashed potatoes, baked potato, whatever potato, yeah. French fries out the ass. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you, I, is that well, it's comforting? You feel com- when you eat mashed potatoes. Yeah. It's, it's not just because grandma that, always made them; it's because it actually is super comforting. Yeah. Well, you said French fries out the ass, and that just reminded me of it. It's one of these wacky news stories of like some guy who was like putting French fries up his butthole and <laughs> hanging it, hanging out in public and letting seagulls like pick the French fries out of his butthole. This is happening well, in the UK somewhere. Of course. Of course. So <laughs> I believe he ended up getting, ar- getting arrested. I hope he was at least doing it for a TikTok, you know, like <laughs> I, I, not just well, for I mean, fun. I don't know if TikTok existed at the time because this happened, I think, in about 2014. But you know how like these crazy stories like stick in your head. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> it's funny how you you know you just you're just rattling something off and you go French fries out the ass and I'm like, man, there was a that guy was an actual doing thing. That. There was a guy <laughs> yeah. who did that. <laughs> don't do this, uh, people. And, and I wonder how the like, seagulls felt about it. I'm like, I know. Hey, there's a guy really down awkward. here. Um, he's got French fries. <laughs> there's a caveat though. We got to pick him out of his <laughs> yeah. ass. <laughs> yeah like i'd be worried like man like because f- seagulls can be like pretty vicious too um and it's impressive mm-hmm. i don't know if you've ever seen like a seagull swallow an apple like it's it, they have a throat like a snake they can they just open up and like dislocate their jaw and there was a video actually of a seagull swallowing uh a, a baby rabbit the whole complete like not chewing just swallowing the whole dang thing and i'm like oh my gosh these, these are monsters these creatures so you think if you're a dude hanging your butt out to get like you know French fries picked out of this, that's a dangerous you, activity. He's going to come along. He's going to grab your twig and berries and try and swallow that man. Like, <laughs> Keep it tucked well if you're going to attempt this trick at home, kids. Yeah, do not do this in public. If you're going to, I don't care what you do at home. That's your own home. It's your prerogative. But don't do this in public. I mean, I don't care how much you love seagulls, yeah. or French fries, or French fries. <laughs> It's just, just I, know, I feel like it's just disrespectful to the French fry. <laughs> yes, the humble French fry. Well, okay, so did you know the first French fries weren't actually cooked in France? Do elaborate. They were cooked in Greece. Cha cha. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm I should have saw that one coming. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, that was a setup from a mile away. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Uh, yeah, now that I've got a kid, I'm like, yes, I can actually tell dad jokes because I'm officially a dad. And it's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's. Uh, I was trying to think, like, what is my favorite dad joke? Um, well, there was one. It was like I bought some shoes off a drug dealer. I don't know what he laced them with, but I've been tripping all day. Uh, <laughs> That's more of yeah. an adult dad joke, but I dig it. True, true. Uh, maybe a kid one was like, oh, well, no, this is probably not one. Sort of. What did the, what did the elephants – sorry, what did the grape say? When the elephant sat on it, nothing. He just let out a little whine. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It's like it's awful. Um, I tried I, to help I, out with the little whine there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, you know, one time my wife is into. She's a performer, so she's into like improv theater. She done. She's done street theater. Uh, you know, kind of like Shakespearean stuff as well, but it, like improv comedy and and. So they had an open mic night one time and I just did like a dad joke battle with like another one of their comedians and it was, it was epic. That sounds epic. (laughs) Yeah. So I've, I've kept a whole collection of them in my phone because you just never know when you need to kind of like spice up a boring night with a series of dad jokes. It gets everybody groaning, but the best, (laughs) like the best dad jokes are the ones you you kind of have to think about for a sec. And you're like, Oh, that's a joke. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's like the difference between like American and British humor. Like, American humor is like punch you in the balls. Like you just can't miss it, right? Whereas British humor is like we sneak in the back door. Mm-hmm. And if you're switched on, you'll pick up on it. If you're not, you'll be like, huh? Dry, dry <laughs> yeah, humor. Yeah, yeah. I think subtle, I, 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 subtle humor. I think I, I detected a hint of British accent there. Subtle humor. Subtle humor. I, I can do more British accents, all right. <laughs> I believe this is my London one. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know what? I think you're on par there. I don't do accents that great. Like my wife, she knows I said she's an Aussie and she just makes fun of me when I try to do accents. Like, oh, good I might. How are you? I'm a little you jealous know? that you, you have a, you have an Australian wife. My, I, my Siri, I said to Australian, 
because yeah. because it just makes my phone feel sexier. I feel like. Well, I I set um, Google Maps to I think Nigerian English because they have a they have a really like I really I lived in in South Africa for a period of time as well. And there's lots of Nigerians in South Africa, and so I I do like. I do like languages and I really, the cool thing about the English language is there's so many different, like, could you imagine somebody from India speaking to somebody from Scotland with like somebody from speaking to somebody from China, you hear three like radically different versions of English. And yet somehow we can sort of figure this out. It's it's actually really, really incredible. But I just, there's something about the the Nigerian one is kind of fun because it's like big and broad and warm. And so, uh, you you know, it's just, Kidding. No, <laughs> I, nah. I, don't, I don't even want to try, but I, but I love it. Right. It's just, it's, it's a fun one. But, and so, but it's an option. It's an option. You can, you can set it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it throws me off a little bit though. Cause of course they have different terminology, like slightly different terminology as well. Right. So, so it'll, it'll adjust for the terminology too. Right. Yeah. So we might, I don't like, I don't know. What do we say? Like an, an off ramp and they might say an exit. Like that's a really basic example, but they have like an interchange instead of an overpass or things like that. So. Oh, yes. Yeah, so yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> nice. So were you traveling around the world like on your own or did you do a lot of that while you were in the military? I uh, actually didn't do very much in the military. So I was, wow. so I was in the Navy. And, uh, but the time that I, the stretch that I was in the Navy was about the six years leading up to the 2010 Olympics in Vancouver, the winter Olympics. Oh. And so much of our work, it's crazy how much goes into this behind the scenes. People don't realize this. We think like, we just, I don't know, the Olympics just show up and we party for a couple of weeks and then, you know, it's like, no, like. No, you got to build a city of, first. Right. 10 yeah. years of planning goes into this stuff to be able to host an event like that. So we spent so much time doing drills with like the U.S. Navy, uh, up and down the coast of like North America like being prepared for the the possibility of some kind of like terrorist attack on the olympics in, in, you know right and and we spent a lot of time actually really boring like driving back and forth like a tractor mapping out the seafloor so we have this like underwater sonar stuff that we just go along and it maps out the ocean floor so you can look for it so see mines are really really intelligent nowadays we think of like you know minesweeper and this old thing you, you, know, you drive your boat over it, your ship over it and it goes boom kind of thing mm-hmm. they're super intelligent nowadays and they're really low cost like it's a lot cheaper to use a mine to take out an aircraft carrier than it is to use a missile um yeah so, which is why minesweeping is still a thing, but they can have intelligent minds that will, that, that you program them and they'll like dive and they'll hang out on the ocean floor. And they might even like, they're not, they're not like this round, clearly obvious, discernible shape either, but then you can program it to come up to a certain depth and then get triggered by a certain thing. You can teach them to count ships. Like it's, it's really, right. I mean, we never, we never think about this stuff because, because we don't like, when was the last time a Navy ship was sunk? I don't know. The USS Cole was hit by something back in early 2000s if i have that right or maybe it was the late 90s i forget it was an accident right right yeah yeah um so it's it's uh so we haven't done a lot in terms of actual naval battles like legit naval battles since probably the I don't lo- know, world war ii yeah a long time but technology continues to develop and, and really but we keep building is- all this stuff we still keep building yeah, yeah, more yeah. of it for some reason because you just never know you never like, know. <laughs> well, the navy allows you to move like your military your air force around right Right. So, like an aircraft carrier is the ultimate projection of power. It's like you, you, you if you got more aircraft carriers, you win the swing and dick contest, basically. So, like, because what, what is the well, now we do, I mean, but now we just have, you know, I don't even know why any human being even needs to go into war as far as the U.S. is concerned, right? Like, yeah, we have all, sense, we sense. we literally have the robots. We mm-hmm. literally have all the drones. Like, yeah, I don't well. I mean, there's probably an argument to be made that war is a waste of time. What did I hear? It's like, yeah, young men fighting for, you know, giving their lives for old men. For what? Like, that's... For oil, usually. But. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what's happening. And it's it's ironic. Like, it's, it's so crazy. Like, in Canada, we have um, among the top, I think only Saudi Arabia has more actual proven oil reserves than we do. But because of environmental regulations, we, we've, like kneecapped our oil and gas production industry despite the fact that in canada we produce the most ethical oil in the world the most environmentally responsible ethical oil and so when you kneecap us in this in the the you know for for like virtue signaling greenery uh sort of greenwashing um what ends up happening is you end up buying oil from saudi arabia russia and venezuela which are these brutal dictatorships right i'm like so you think that hey yeah we're we're so virtuous because we we kneecapped oil and drill, oil drilling and oil production and all that in these in our but these then we just buy it from the we just buy it we, from the bad guys 
Right. We haven't changed our consumption patterns. Now, (laughs) consumption patterns are going to change with the spike in oil prices, which I think is not entirely accidental either. You know. I have a Tesla. Oh, there you go. (laughs) It's well, been, it's been it's been a godsend recently. Just like I just drive past the, the gas prices, and I'm just like, man, yeah. Thank, thank the, God I don't have to stop and get that stuff. But what's what's interesting? Someone made a remark. Well, there's a couple of things about this that are interesting. If you replaced every car, every gasoline powered car uh, with a Tesla, the U.S. power grid could not produce enough electricity to fuel them. No, not right now. No. Uh, so uh, whether, but then of course you could look at you know batteries. How green are batteries? They're not. Know. Yeah, so it's this funny. It's this funny thing. Like, but it's, it's an evolution, semantic. right? So it's it, right, right, it, right. it is all working towards a thing, you know. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm not like I think I'd love to have a Tesla. I think they're they look like they look cool. I love the idea, like just smooth, quiet sound and oh, acceleration. Oh, so smooth and, and quiet. Yeah. Oh, uh, you know, the, in, like, the inside's like being in a Holiday Inn in the '80s. Oh man, that's it's brilliant. just like nothing there. It's just beige. <laughs> like so. <laughs> You know, that part of it, I, like, I think is really cool. I'm not knocking electric cars, but I'm looking at the practical reality of it, right? The idea being that, you know, we're fighting wars over oil when we have plenty of oil in North America, for example, right? Because I'm not, yeah, not even we eat- produce, even the US produces like almost equal to, if not more. Yeah. Then there's no reason for us to even import, really. So the real, the real issue here, because I think what it boils down to is, uh, you know, it's funny. I think, was it Michael Moore? I don't know. He's probably still around. I'm he probably isn't. He's around. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, he, he, um, I think he made some documentary around greenwashing, which is where I, I think I learned the term where it's like the whole green industry is not nearly as green as we think the real issue here. Like the only thing that's going to potentially improve the environment is changing our consumption patterns. And, and the moral of the story was we can't save the planet with green energy. The only way we can do it is by consuming less, but we've, we have an entire, now, now I sound like, I don't know if I sound really Canadian, but it's like we have an entire like capitalistic society <laughs> built on, on like endless consumption which is really destroying the planet. And I'm not even like an oh, environmentalist. It, no, but, but it's, a, that's like, a, it's across the board, even like all the way down to clothing, right? Like, yeah. you know, clothing is disposable now. Like everything yeah. is disposable. Like there's, you don't fix a fucking DVD player. You get a new DVD player, right? Right, like, right, right. Yeah. If you're even watching DVDs, who the hell still has DVDs? <laughs> well, now here's, from a health standpoint, here's where things get a little bit interesting. I'm not sure what it's going to look like because you look at... um hyper-processed foods through like monocropping agriculture are are cheaper to produce at scale. So rather than, you know, some nice sprouted grain uh, artisan bread, which might cost $8 a loaf now with you know, the price of gas and shipping things around and so on, you know, you can still mass produce white bread for two bucks a loaf, which is more expensive than a dollar a loaf. That's, that's, you know, a hundred percent increase in price. But so we're now making like healthy food less accessible to our population meaning we're dry you know so while reducing consumption is, a, is generally a positive thing what's going to push people towards consuming more crap and and watching their health get even worse so we're truth <laughs> we're, 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 we're in a, Preach, we're in a john spot, man yeah well, i just feel like we're like you know someone asked me like where i sort of align politically and i'm like gosh i don't know man like i it's like i want the systems and the efficiencies of the right i want the goals of the left you know with, but i want the freedoms of the libertarians so what does that make me i don't know like, logical <laughs> I, 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 I like i like to try to be just logical when it comes to politics like i don't care right. but just do the logical thing and don't get pulled in one direction <laughs> or the other very far right yeah and just use your brain People have a very difficult time. The United States has a very difficult time with just applying basic <laughs> fucking logic. Yes. But, you know, so, of course, this dives into, like, one of my real areas of interest in the work that I do, like, with around emotional eating and relationship with food and weight loss and things like that. But the, the core of it, like, I work in what I call brain-driven weight loss. So because I say the brain is the driver of behavior. But so a lot of us don't understand how our brains actually work. We kind of have three brains tucked into one. You know, we have like a, what's known as like the reptile brain, which is really, really primal. It's like a simple analog circuit. That's obviously, again, a simplification. Then you have like <laughs> the ma- the midbrain, which is like the mammal or the animal emotional kind of brain. And then you have the top one, which is the, the neocortex. And that's the human brain, so to speak. That's the one we use for logic and calculations and conscious processing. Most things running through our brain, like 95% of brain activity is unconscious. We're not aware that it's happening. And that's a good thing because if we if we were conscious of like breath and heart pumping and you know spleen filtering things and like liver, <laughs> like we couldn't function. So we kind of need to do that. But what it means is our brains can be hijacked as well. And that sounds like maybe a little bit of alarmist rhetoric, but it's kind of true. 
So I'll give you an example. Um, what do you think is the number one selling candy bar in the world? Um, I mean, I would, I would probably have to guess just the Hershey bar. Actually, it's the Snickers. But I was going, my, I was going to say Snickers first. <laughs> but then I, my logic, my logical brain was like, well, it well, probably is Hershey- Snickers, but Hershey is probably around the world. Yeah, Hershey might Hershey maybe Snickers buys chocolate from Hershey for all we know to like coat their candy bars. I think they do. Uh, but Snickers is a I think it's a Nestle product. But so Snickers had this wildly successful marketing campaign that catapulted them into the number one place. And it was four words. So this is why I want to illustrate like how your brain is being hijacked and you don't even realize it. It was hungry, grab a Snickers. And I wonder how much they paid somebody to come up with that slogan to figure out how this hijacks their brain. Snickers pulled a trick. They convinced us that it's not a candy bar, it's a meal replacement. Mm, Because it has peanuts in it. Right. (laughs) Right. And so they, they, but you think hungry is the question they ask. Well, we mistake a whole lot of internal feelings and emotions, any kind of discomfort for I'm hungry. But it's actually, you know, any kind of, so food is a type of emotional anesthetic, comfort food, emotional eating, right? And your brain will do that even when you're thirsty too. You think you're hungry, but you really just need to drink some water. Yeah. So you got that. That's one word. Grab. That suggests act impulsively without conscious thought. Right. Okay. We're br- grab. Right. grab. Right. And then a Snickers. So now we connect uncomfortable feeling, act impulsively with a Snickers. That's the message. And then what happens when you do that and you eat a Snickers, it lights up your brain with dopamine, completing sort of the addiction loop. And then you walk into a gas station. I want a Snickers. And you grab a Snickers. And then, of course, they did clever things like you're not yourself when you're hangry, um, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. They had the funny Mr. Yeah, T commercials yeah, like yeah, yeah. nuts. Yeah. Where they, everything was just off until they yeah. ate the Snickers and then everything was fine, right? Yeah. Right. So, like, that's, that's what we're up against. I, I mean, mean, logically, you, you remember know, v, V8 did the same thing, except V8 was actually good for you. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Is V8 still a thing? I, I'd probably drink it nowadays. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure on, it is. <laughs> go, to go back to potassium, on airplanes, um, I drink tomato juice because that helps with the swelling in your legs. But V8's fallen far, too, because you have all kinds of different V8 juices, right? Oh, so man. you get all the fruit juiced ones, right? That right, right, I, right? I'm sure, I don't think they probably have corn syrup now, but they might. Right, but like V8 should not have corn syrup in it. So if somebody (laughs) look it up, if it does, don't drink V8. But I I would think that V8 probably went through a a cycle where they had corn syrup and Mm -hmm. now they've taken it back out. Yeah, yeah. Because it's it's corn syrup. Something interesting, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, when we fly, because we're at lower pressure, um, our taste buds are desensitized by about 35%. And so... If you look at the consumption pattern for tomato juice, what you'll see is that at sea level, it's, you know, let's just say maybe 10% of the population drinks it. On airplanes, you find 35 to 38% of the population drinks it. And you go... With vodka. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) So, because I think it was, uh, maybe it was Lufthansa, one of these German airlines, were going to remove tomato juice from their offerings. And the outcry was like so over the top that they were like, oh my gosh. People really drink, like they really like this stuff, you know, because you get apple juice, orange juice, tomato juice. Mm-hmm. And I, so I would always ask for tomato juice when I'm flying. And we've done a lot of flights around the world because of the whole potassium and so, you know, ushering sodium into cells and, and sort of preventing some of the swelling that takes place when you, when you fly. So, huh. I, wa- I wonder if, the, if it's all, is it true for mountainous regions too, right? Just, man, that'd be people, interesting. People in Colorado just, you know, yeah, really down, <laughs> sipping on really, tomato, really juice. Down the tomato juice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I think they're what, maybe 5,000 feet versus 30,000 feet. So yeah, quite, quite a difference, that. quite a difference. <laughs> atmospheric pressure and oxygen levels. So yeah, <laughs> but now I want to hop on a plane again. I haven't been on a plane in a long time. Yeah. My last flight was 2019, I think. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was going back to Australia for my father-in-law's uh, 70th birthday. I think I flew so. to Mexico in 2018. Yeah. And that was the last time I was on a plane. We do. We did drive the Tesla all the way to Texas. That's pretty cool. So how? Uh, well, of course, charging takes a little bit of time. But I guess oh yeah, inter- oh, a little you bit. Can, <laughs> you can you can kind of uh, either like have a nap or entertain yourself or something like that. Like yeah, you can watch you can watch Netflix. And just yeah, chill. Yeah, 
you just kind of like build it into your plans. Like we're just going to have a Netflix break every two hours or something. Yep, every or... two hours. Well, we have a short range. So we drove a short range halfway across America. Okay. Yeah. But a drive, cool. that, a drive that would normally take, I think, I think my crew got home because they didn't follow us home. They followed us out there. And they made it home in 14 hours. Yeah. We made it in 26. But you watched a lot of Netflix, so he covered some. He covered some <laughs> different ground in a different way. There was, it's just not quite a long enough time to take a nap, right? Right, right, right. <laughs> so I think because that that would be the perfect opportunity. Like, okay, we're going to drive across the country, and we're going to start watching like Breaking Bad. <laughs> you know, right? Or uh, uh-huh. I think Yellowstone is the big one now. I, I don't watch a lot of Netflix. Um, Mostly because I just think uh, if I'm watching Netflix, like I could be like playing with my kid or interacting with my wife or something like that, you know. Um, yeah. See that we don't have kids, so we have dogs, okay. and so me and my yeah, wife yeah. watch a lot of Netflix. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, it's, I, I've seen plenty of Netflix in, the, in in my day. It's not that I'm uh, not. I don't, don't want to just boost Netflix. At HBO. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. watch a lot of you. Hulu. We're on you all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Prime um, Video. Yeah, yeah. 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 Hang out with you we, too. We we had a bit of Disney Disney Plus for a little we, bit. Oh, there, we got Disney so. Plus, yeah, yeah. 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 We just got Peacock uh, too cuz Okay. cuz we wanted to watch the new Fresh Prince. So. Oh, what is there there's a new Fresh Prince out? There's a yeah, it's called uh, Bel Air and it's on Peacock. Now I wonder man cuz Fresh Prince was classic back in the day. It's a gritty now, version. Here's a little story about a how does it go? Yeah, uh I forget, you know, what, how, he, how the he theme did it, song. It. Yeah, I'm like, but I'm hearing it in my head. Like I can hear the rhythm and the rap, but I can't. Got think one of the little fight. My mom got scared. So yeah, moving with Chanty and Uncle and yeah, So it's a gritty That's version. It. It's like it's like the oh, Dark okay. Knight version of right, Fresh right, right. Prince. Okay, wow, oh, interesting. Now the it's Dark Knight was man. The Dark Knight was good too. I got to say, like that was. Uh, oh, it was. It was good. I, uh, it, it, the second one was good too. And the third one just really was like, because it started off so realistic, you know? Right, like, right, right. We're like, oh, all of this really could happen. And by the time you got to the third one, it was like, oh, okay, you can't really make those things. <laughs> right, yeah. But, it, but it's, I guess it's like, where where do you go from there, you know, at a certain point, right? So, uh, but like like everyone will talk about like forevermore, Heath Ledger's performance as the Joker. That was... Oh, iconic, epic. Yeah. <clears throat> and I haven't, I haven't, haven't actually watched the Joker in its entirety with Joaquin Phoenix, but... Uh, that's all I right. kind of would like, yeah. I've heard that one was like a really interesting one, as really interesting take on him, him as well. So, because like the Joker is such a such an iconic um, character, because he's a, he's equal to Batman, right? Like you, when you yeah. think when you think of Batman, the other thing you think of immediately is obviously the Joker. Well, it's this idea that like you need me and I need you, you know. And uh, I, I, lo- I love like the Joker's like an anarch. I guess he's probably an anarchist because you know burning stacks of money and whatnot. Mm. He's like, I don't do this for the money. Like, <clears throat> but maybe also like it's the Joker's interesting- like a, like a honey badger. He just don't give a fuck. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's about it, right? <laughs> and so it's, uh, but but I think there's a little bit of that in in all of us, you know, like push us far enough. And maybe that's what the, you know, because I try to see it like is this a commentary as well, like a social commentary that like there's this element you know, push us far enough into a certain situation and this is what we might descend into. Yep. Scary state of society. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah. I think it was like that thought I mean that's Gotham was always in and of itself like the metaphor for just a very I mean wealth and disparity, right? Like right. wealth and disparity. That was what Gotham basically stood for, right? Yeah, or, yeah. It was, and it, it kind of feels like we're moving that direction again. You know, you look over the last couple of years and the distribution of wealth and how it's shifted. And this is something that, that I wrestle with a little bit. You know, I have, I have three podcasts and, and one of them is called It's Not So Black and White. And the idea behind that is we're having having like nuanced discussions around this stuff because I think we've kind of lost the ability to, you know, you're mentioning, we've, we've kind of lost the ability to think critically and to like evaluate information. And so I try to listen to information from sources all across the spectrum which would make some people angry because it's like, no, you need to be in my echo chamber only listening to what I listen to. No, I'm going to listen to what they say and what they say over there and and so on. And then I'm going to try and filter it through like my, my worldview and go, okay, because everyone has a spin and everyone has an agenda, but there's usually a thread of truth in what they say. Right. It's like religion. Yeah. So it's like, can you, can you weave it, weave enough together to figure out what the actual truth of the situation is? Cause it's never, there's always more than meets the eye. Yep. The middle ground logic. But you, yeah. But to get to the logic, you need all the information, right? So. Right. And so, I, I I wanted to start a podcast where we could talk about 
you know, uh, difficult issues and have a little bit of discourse and disagreement where we show it's like, by the way, at the end of this, we can still be friends. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right? I, I think cancel culture, cancel culture is interesting because I, I feel like it's going to eat itself at some point because. Well, yeah, the cancelers cancel get canceled. Right. You, you don't. So let's say you cancel somebody. Well, they don't disappear. They just go to like the other side with all the other canceled people. And if you keep canceling people, eventually the other side has all the people. And what are you left with? Oh, we're the ones all by ourselves over here. You know, it's such a, it's such an interesting phenomenon, really. (sighs) The world is a crazy, (laughs) crazy place. If I wanted to do a thing uh, called breaking bread, where I would have basically a, a a cooking show. So like a potluck. And so people from the opposite perspectives would come and make their dish. Right. And then Mm -hmm. we would sit down and break the bread quote unquote around the table Mm -hmm. while we discussed very uncomfortable issues that were of opposing viewpoints. Right. Why are you not doing this? This sounds incredible. I just haven't got to it yet. (laughs) Fair enough. enough. I'm like, dang, this is like what, what I'm doing and taking it to another level. So, for example, here's kind of a, I don't know if it's a crazy idea, but I, you know, my co-host Lamar is black and he's from New York. And uh, so it's a, obviously it's a bit of a play. Like, and him and I, he and I, we got talking about this, uh, like back during BLM and stuff like that. Cause I'm from small town Canada. I'm a white guy from small town Canada, right? Like mm-hmm. it, it, that's a whole nother world that I've never, like now I've traveled around the world and I've lived in different cultures. I've been a minority. I was nearly murdered. Like, uh, I've, I've been the victim of, of racism and, and, and race, race related violence and so on living in other cultures. So I kind of have at least enough experience in these sorts of things to be able to say, okay, I can put myself in your shoes because I have an experience that, you know, but I didn't live my entire life like this. Um, you know, that's the difference. But I thought, you know, it'd be really crazy to, to try and find an articulate white supremacist, for example. And what I want to figure out is how did you get there? Right. And that's because I think if we, if we just say, we're going to cut your tongue out, it's, uh, it's a quote from like Game of Thrones. It's we don't like learn anything from that. Right, right, right. So you go, you know, how did you, because I don't like, maybe I'm, call me naively optimistic, but I don't think people are born like racists. No, we, it's we, definitely we're, learned. You right. Know. We're born with, obviously we can filter out like, you know, when I'm walking around in, in like a Southeast Asian country, it's pretty obvious that like, I'm probably not from this part of the world, you know, <laughs> and people might give me some funny looks and it's funny because they can be way more direct. Right? Just, they just like openly stare at you in, in almost an uncomfortable way, but you kind of just, you kind of just learn to roll with it when, when you, when you travel. But, right, like, like you go to Mexico and all of a sudden you're just gringo to everybody. Like, yeah. Yeah. Gringo. Yeah. Gringo. <laughs> well, it was, it was funny cause we lived in Guadalajara for about six months and, uh, you know, what, what else, like when they stopped seeing us as like a source of tourist dollars, because kind of the local shops got to know us. Like we walked everywhere. We walked between like where we lived and because we just lived in an old beat up hacienda paying like 180 bucks a month for rent kind of thing. Like it was, we were not living in the lap of luxury. We were living with locals in a hacienda and going to like the local cafes and things like that. And when they stopped seeing us as a source of tourist dollars, what we found is they're actually incredibly hospitable, warm, welcoming. They loved that we were trying to learn the language and you know, and so on. Like it was a really enjoyable experience. The downside of course is the level of violence that just takes place down there. You know, it's yeah. Yeah. And then we stick out like, Hey man, it doesn't matter how good I speak Spanish. You're a target. (laughs) I'm white. You're gringo. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I don't tan. It's like funny. I say I come in two colors, uh, (laughs) white and red. So I'm clearly Canadian, right? (laughs) That's all. Which is also a fantastic, uh, bubbly soda water. Okay. Clearly Canadian. Well, I, I, you know what? I haven't I haven't really drank that one all that much. I probably should. It's like, just, it's just it's sweet. It's weirdly sweet, <laughs> but it's yeah. so good. It's super expensive. It's like three dollars for like one tiny little bottle. Okay, so they're they're going they're the high end stuff. Yeah, it's the high end like, seltzer. It's a status man. symbol for <laughs> seltzer water. And uh, hailing from the great nation of Canada, sir. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we um we went. To, my wife and I went to a uh, like a paint store recently. And, and we pulled out, we started pulling out the palette cards and, and tried to figure out what our skin tone actually was. <laughs> based, and so based I'm not on, white. Based on the I'm, paint scale. I'm, I'm ice wine. You're ice wine. Yeah. Snazzy, sir. 
Yeah. Well, the other option was crepe, paper, pink. And I was like, I am not going with that one. <laughs> like, I am ice wine. Crepe, paper, pink. <laughs> yeah, it's like, nope. Nope. I am ice wine. That's, that's my skin tone. And my wife was something like a, like a, like a light mocha. So, because she, she has slightly darker skin than I do. I mean, she grew up in Australia and whatnot. So her, her, you know, her, she can get a little bit of a tan. I can't. I'm like, it's a hopeless venture for me. I want to go. I'm going to go to Home Depot now and start just checking the old skin tone. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> I'm well, curious, uh, and I got to go look at uh, how much potassium is in my Kroger brand soda water. You know what? That's that's a great to me. That's like the mark of like a good a good soda water versus a low end one. Is you look at how many milligrams of, of potassium are in there, and, and they might give it like per serving. But yeah, you look at okay, because you'll find the generic brand in Canada. We have one called President's Choice, and it's just like this generic brand across like all these grocery chains, and you'll find like ten, like I said, ten milligrams of potassium in a serving. But you go to the Canada Dry and you get seventy five. So you look at like yeah, how much you're getting per serving, and that's what, you know when you get something good. Touche. Okay, so quick important question. Yeah. And I mean that. Um, how do we keep from getting our brains tricked by by the advertising and the and the world so at large? The, the 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 short answer is awareness. So once you become informed to like how the game works, it's a lot you don't get quite as tricked. But here's here's the kicker. So we live, I think, in a pretty emotionally potentially emotionally distressing world because we have 24 seven access to information and the purveyors of information, the media, whether social media, digital media, legacy media, whatever, they make money off our eyeballs being on their product. What attracts our brain is negative. Our brain is hardwired to hunt for negative because it's a primal defense mechanism. We look for threats. We don't focus on the good. So they know from a profit based perspective that they have to constantly show us negative happenings in the world to keep our eyeballs. So you kind of got to know that this is how our brain works. Now, what that does, though, is it makes us more emotionally distressed about the state of the world. I'm not suggesting we're living in some paradise here, but it's probably better than it was a thousand years ago. Oh, Let's for just say sure. That. Yeah. Even with everything happening today. Yep. So you kind you have to actively like look for good in life and practice something like gratitude, which will then bring down your body's levels of stress, which gives you more headspace to operate in this world with mindfulness. And uh, mindfulness is kind of this cliched word that gets thrown around. I actually just finished a uh, meditation teacher certification, and I really like this. So uh, meditation is really a focus on our internal environment. We're starting to learn more about that. Mindfulness is an awareness of our external environment. So what's happening around us? <clears throat> so that's kind of the distinction that I like to make. But And so really practicing the skill of mindfulness. So I will still read an emotive headline, you know, some inflammatory rhetoric, and I will feel myself get triggered. Mm-hmm. But then my brain goes, click, hey, I know what just happened there. Like you, you, can't, you can't always perfectly avoid getting triggered. But if you know how the game works, you go, okay. You can triggered. be self-aware of the trigger. Right. And you go, let me, let me take a step back. Why is this triggering me? What is this challenging? Because usually if we're triggered, we feel like um, this is a threat to my sense of identity. This is a threat to kind of like who I am as a person. Um, or this to my worldview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, I mean, this is why like facts don't really change minds for people, right? This is why politicians lie, because it's like we will buy what the, what we want to hear versus the truth, which is completely illogical. Of course it is. <laughs> but so here, but here's the fallacy: human beings are not logical. Unfortunately, that's that's that seems to so be we true. So ha- we have yeah. a we have a logical element to our brain, the prefrontal cortex, but it's it's and I love this analogy. It's not my own. Um, can't remember who first coined it, but it's essentially the logical brain is a rider and your emotional brain is an elephant. When everything's calm, you can steer the elephant. As soon as things get triggered, you can't steer a big 10,000 pound beast as like a 200 pound human. It just, it's not happening, but that's how our brains are wired. Now that's not a bad thing necessarily. Cause if you think from a survival perspective, you're faced with an immediate threat. You don't have time to be like, Hmm, let me uh, check the wind there. And sort of, <laughs> it's like, you have to act without conscious thought. So we, th- we're wired this way for the purpose of survival. However, we, we don't live in a world where, you know, for most people um, in, in the first world, we don't live in a world where we're immediate, our, our immediate survival is threatened on a daily basis. And so we're kind of living in, a, in, a, in the 21st century digital world. We're living in this world where human beings, our human brain isn't really wired for this. So I think in a very large coconut-sized nutshell, what I'm trying to say is awareness and mindfulness are really the steps to 
So, so even just practicing that and treating mindfulness as a skill, not just something you kind of do, but you have to consciously practice something to get good at it. So I'm like, go read headlines from the opposite side of the spectrum that you agree with that piss you off and see if you can <laughs> learn to calm yourself after being pissed off by what they write and cultivate the skill, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it is learned. I, you know, you know, when you're younger and stuff used to piss you off, right? Or like, right, know, yeah. and, and just get mad at any, you just stub your toe and get angry, right? Like, and you're just like <laughs> yeah, in this yeah. bad, and everything's just going wrong. And it's going wrong because your mind is allowing it to go wrong. Right. Yeah. But when you realize if you stop and you're like, oh, you know, I hurt my toe, but that's not going to last all day. It's going to be better in a second. And yeah, you walk it off. (laughs) Yeah. Well, pain is even an interesting one because the old theory of pain was that pain was directly correlated to tissue damage. In other words, you know, you stub your toe, you're in pain because you've damaged that little portion of tissue on your toe. But it's actually not necessarily true. Pain is like a learned. So I started diving into this because I, I have this hip issue that I've not been able to figure out. Like I've I've had my hip scanned, I've had it X-rayed, I've had it worked on by you know osteopaths, chiropractors, physiotherapists, massage therapists. Like, and we can't seem to find an answer. Why does my hip just keep like basically misbehaving, giving me all this pain randomly when we can't find a, t- a, a, a bit of tissue damage? A reason for it to hurt. Yeah, <clears throat> I have two it, hip. It, I have two hip replacements. Okay. Yeah. So So I I thought, am I getting osteoarthritis? Is that happening? Do I have like torn, like a pulled, torn or strained muscle or something? No. But in my history, I have two motorcycle accidents. So both times landing on my left hip, but they were 16, 17 years ago. So you would think like this shouldn't be an issue. It wasn't an issue for many years. So why did this suddenly reemerge? And so now I'm actually starting to look into a modality known as somatic experiencing. And it's starting to look at the connection between like the nervous system, past trauma, like because motorcycle accidents are like physical trauma as well as some emotional trauma to it as well. But um, so past trauma and and sort of what gets imprinted on your nervous system and sort of the patterns it develops and what might like. So there's I think why I'm sharing. So you think it's just mental? I don't like I don't know if we could distill it down to it's just in my head necessarily. But there's there's something there that we can can't quite pin down so that's what i'm trying to explore now is to say like i can't find a specific physical reason why this should be happening but there's pain there and so that's why i say Uh. worse so so i started learning more about chronic pain and trying to figure out okay like because there are people who live with chronic pain who can manage it every day because again it's not directly correlated to tissue damage yeah you just live with it yeah, so we can we can learn. So, anyways, it's it's been this interesting sort of rabbit hole and going down, and it's crazy how we just keep discovering things about the human body. Where it's like, who would have thought? Because I was certain there's like there must be like a pulled muscle, a torn muscle, or something like that. You know, the best, the, all that we can really find is okay. There are some like scar tissue and adhesions, as they call it, like where your muscle fibers are kind of clumped together that are maybe restricting its motion. But the other part of it is, I heard this phrase, and it was, "Your body will sacrifice a muscle to protect an organ." It's like, huh, that's really interesting. So right in around your pelvis, inside that sort of pelvic bowl or whatever you'd call it, pelvic mm-hmm. cavity, mm-hmm. Um, is like your your small intestine and sort of the lower parts of your large intestine and obviously where where you uh, have bowel movements and whatnot. And because um, of the accident where you, yeah. you, your body thinks that it needs to protect that area that, on that, that side. That area, it's, it's more vulnerable. Yeah, so it's – it's so we, we haven't – like I said, we haven't necessarily got the answers, but I would um, – and so now, you know, I've started reading Bess van der Kolk's um, The Body Keeps the Score, which is quite a heavy read, um, but it's a very interesting book. I mean, because I've been through trauma as well. So there's trauma and PTSD, and it's like, it's a heavy read. Like, don't read it if, you, if you're really, really, you know, <laughs> if you're already suffering. Like, I'm not sure if you want to read it because, it, like, my wife, she's got a vivid imagination. So I'm like, don't read this because when you start, you know, you start, it, it's just mm. heavy reading. Um, maybe a little bit lighter would be Gabor Matei's um, When the Body Says No. That's like another one, but this whole, just trying to understand like, what is, you know, what's Man. really going on in the body. That's crazy. I didn't know. Yeah. What, I mean, I didn't know what was wrong with mine for years. Cause I just never went to the doctor. <laughs> right. Right. I just thought like, I, I can't stretch. I'm not flexible. Like, um, and my hips do this weird thing where like, they just like, it'll just bite sometimes and like, Oh yeah. God, what the fuck was that? And it just, you have yeah. to just walk it off and go away. And for years and years and years until like I just started getting worse. And finally, I, I'd gone to like a, I went to an, to a, I think I went to an osteopath. 
and or an internal doctor, and they sent me to go to uh, physical therapy, to which I couldn't do because I right, lived, yeah. <laughs> I actually had hip dysplasia of massive proportions, which had completely ground out all the cartilage in my hips. Oh. So it was just bone on bone for years and years of just pain. It just yeah, I was in pain all the time, but like there's nothing you can do about it. So you just got you just get used to it. Yeah, yeah. Just, that's just how your life is. You just, you know, I couldn't put my own socks on. My wife had to clip my toenails. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's funny because I'm like, I'm getting to the place where I can still clip my toenails, but it's getting difficult to put a sock on my left foot. Mm-hmm. But it's like a part of me is stubborn and refuses to, but it's only one side of my body. I'm like, I can easily tickle the bottom of my other foot, you know, with both hands, <laughs> no problem. So it's it's why is it this one side of my body? Because one of my, my co-hosts on one of my other shows, um, she, we have another show called Wellness Unfiltered, and it's more of a panel discussion of everything that's wrong with how we approach health and their medical for profit, in, you know, complex in the U.S. But um, she had to have like hip surgery because she had like some sort of hypermobility where she could like deep squat, um, like right down to like you know, put her butt on the grass. floor, right? Yeah, but <laughs> then for three days she couldn't move. You know, it, but it, so she had this mobility that she shouldn't have had. So this sort of hyper hyper hip mobility kind of thing, and so she had to have some kind of surgery to to correct that. So it's crazy to think of like wow, someone she's the opposite, she's, yeah, like forty two or forty three, and having like hip surgery to 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 fix that. So, anyways, it's <clears throat> yeah, 40, 40, 42 With uh, I'll be forty three in a month. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, two, double hip surgery, and yeah, yeah, but, yeah, because nobody thought that that would be the problem. I'm too young to like. Right, right, right. Yeah, no. They were shot. Well, uh, no kidding. So, what, what was the recovery like for that? Um, right now, on the right one, I'm on week six, and I have great. I go back yeah. to work and do whatever I want. I, can, I yeah, can't yeah. lift anything heavy. I can't lift like super heavy things right now because it takes about it takes uh, three months for the your bone and the implant to actually completely solidify fuse? together. Yeah, right, right, fuse. right. Okay. And then, and, and about two years for it to all just like kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then you're gonna have like a bionic hip for the rest of your life, kind of thing. Like, yeah, for I mean, hopefully it'll last at least 25 years, if not longer. And hopefully in 25 years they'll have a simple solution to replacing a little rubber piece that fakes the cartilage. But right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because like my 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 mom, she had like stem cell injections, and uh, but it sounds like there's a bit of a party happening back there. Yeah, the dogs <laughs> the dogs have lost their minds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she had she had stem cell injections that kind of like delayed. Sort of the deterioration of like bone and cartilage. Now my mom's like seventy three, but um, yeah, that's a totally but, new thing they can do now. If you, yeah, you can grow the cartilage back yes. with the stem cell injections. Not covered by insurance in America. No, it wasn't. It wasn't wasn't here either. Here, like it was a fairly expensive treatment. But, yeah, because it's brand new. Like, yeah, but it didn't like it didn't necessarily restore her hip mobility to what it once was. It just kind of stopped the degeneration in its tracks i guess i would say and probably the pain went away a little a little bit yeah um but then and, and, and then i think man it's really interesting because she had that hip pain for so long that it's imprinted in her brain so even though she, you know mm-hmm. and so i still walk with a limp and i don't need to yeah. right and I'm, i'll catch myself doing it and i'm like you don't need to do that you, you i'm just so used to it or like getting in and out of the car like just be, doing the yeah, move yeah, that yeah. i used to do and i'm like i don't I don't have to do that. I can just get in the car. <laughs> it's funny because it's, it's patterned, right? So it's like, I would say, like, see if you could find somebody who does something like somatic experiencing. And uh, like, because I don't know a lot about it. So I don't feel like I'm really super qualified to talk about it. It's it's not voodoo magic. It's it's But it's observing kind of like the nervous system and how it ties into like what our body's experiencing. That's super interesting though. Um, you want to get some shout outs? Okay, yeah, we didn't actually get to talk a lot of emotional eating, but man, this is a fun conversation. We covered it. <laughs> we can do it again ago. sometime. Ha- yeah, yeah, yeah. Happy to come hang out with you on your podcast. Hit me up. <laughs> yeah, you know, we should we should jump on. Uh, it's not so black and white at some point because I, I, you know, I love this concept of yours. This this breaking bread one. Um, yeah, I'd love to. Man, I'm like, dang, that'd be so awesome. Like, really, because, and that so I, that's why my show, I have this show. It's not so black and white. Is is this idea of like. Um, we're hoping, like I so said, the goal is to get Andrew Yang on there. We'll see if we can, because uh, I think he's a really interesting cat. You know, oh, whether yeah. or not, I may not entirely agree with some of his his what to say, like policy prescriptions in terms of how to solve the problems we're facing. But like, he's young, he's smart, he's business savvy, he's different, like, he's trying. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, but anyway, so we got he's that. He's the I've apple got, of politicians. Hey, there you go. <laughs> I, I like that. <laughs> yeah. 
except he's not white. That's the only thing. Yeah. And it's, you know, and, and I think that's in Canada, it's less of a hiccup. Right. But I, I like, I'm, I'm genuinely curious if that's an actual impediment to him being successful because he's Taiwanese American, you know? I mean, I think, it, I think it probably, I, I think he could probably do really well. Well, that's the part that, oh, and, and maybe, you know what, maybe he, he just needs to, you know, maybe the next, next run, he gets more, more exposure. In the next I mean, run, I don't, I don't know how much like actual like Asian, like racism we have in America. I don't know. Like, is, yeah. I'm sure there is, I'm sure it's a thing. People suck, but yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm I don't sure see it. Even, I don't, I don't see it. it yeah, so yeah, I don't yeah. know. Well, yeah, that's the funny thing is like traveling opens your mind hugely. Right. Cause you, you figure out that actually we're, a lot of us really just kind of want the same thing, you know? I want a family. I want to be loved. I want to make a living. I want to be able to eat. I want yeah, to have yeah. social connection. Like, that's what we want, man. Like, this whole idea of like, you know, like I said, war is like you know, young men fighting old men's battles. Like, and, and for what, <laughs> you know? So for for the military industrial complex to keep making money. Duh. Yeah, it's your number one export, of course. Duh. <laughs> so yeah, it's not so black and white. That's a those, great podcast. Those uh, <laughs> those 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 uh, the tankers and the freighters aren't going to build themselves. That's right. That's we'll right. Turn, you know? know, and if we build them, we're going to need to like have a reason for it. So we better right. Better yeah, make yeah. sure there's a little war going on somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, feel I feel bad for the folks in Yemen. I mean almost 400,000 casualties and nobody talks about it. And the Saudis bomb the crap out of them, but the U S sells weapons to the Saudis. So we don't talk about yeah, it. I've never understood like our love for Saudi Arabia. Like they are literally awful, awful humanitarian people. Mar- right? Marriage, and marriage yet, of convenience. And yet we let them get away with whatever they want. And women, Oil. women can't even drive. They're not even people over there. And yeah, we let yeah. them, we, we let these people, we just do business with these people. Why? Ha- this is ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, yeah and, and you're mad at Iran. What the hell is Iran even doing? <laughs> yeah, I mean they're it's, not they're, uh, they're not great on the humanitarian front either. But no, they're not. But it, so it's like, you, but you've got Iran, Syria, Russia, that sort of alliance or that sort of triad, I guess, if you will. And so Saudi Arabia gets us, you know, some air base and airspace over there, and I don't know. And they they, they buy a lot of stuff. So it's like if they they're your number one customer, money. <laughs> so I think that's what it boils down to tragically. Yep. And uh, I, I wish I had some solutions, but you know what? Maybe if you started uh, breaking bread, um, we'll figure it out. <laughs> we can figure it out. Yeah. So um, if, if anyone does want to know about like my nutrition coaching, you can go to freedomnutritioncoach.com, learn a bit about that. Um, yeah. And then uh, if you just look up like Coach John podcasts, um, that's on Twitter, on Twitch, uh, YouTube. Um, where else? Anyway, it's all, in the, I, descri- I run the three it's all in the descriptions, people. It's all there, in the there description. you go. go, go. <laughs> and, and, you know, if someone out there listening is like, hey, man, I'd like to have a conversation with this guy. I'm like, cool, reach out. <laughs> Let's have a chat. My podcast, your podcast, wherever. You know, I love talking, clearly. Yeah, and you're a gr- great guest. I'm sure your podcast is going to be amazing, and uh, particularly when I'm on it. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. And super insightful. Uh, this is really fun, dude. We got we got to hang out again. Everybody, you get John on your podcast because he, this he's just a fun guy to hang out with. <laughs> yeah, man, it's been a pleasure. So, yeah, we'll do this again sometime. Hell yeah, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, make sure I say your last name right, John McLernan. Though that doesn't really matter yeah. because he's coached John everywhere. Yep. Go go go! Listen to his podcast and uh, go watch my television show. Rock and roll. <laughs> do it. Do it. Do it. Cheers, everyone. Awesome, dude. Yeah, for yeah. real. Uh, send me your calendar link and I'll... I will, yeah. We'll, ha- we'll hang out and talk politics. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that. Um, and, and I don't want to spoil anything. I want, like, let's just unlock this. So I got myself, I got Lamar, and then sometimes sometimes Chris and Kyle. So Chris, she's a female trainer who, like, who's done really well in like a male-dominated, misogynistic industry. And she trains people at the Olympic level. Nice. Um, it, it, yeah, it's pretty cool. And then uh, Kyle is see like I, I don't I don't do Republican Democrat sort of thing because I don't even understand U.S. politics is a bit of a yeah you don't beast. have that there right that's like no. it's not even a thing no but he's have, he's a former you have a parliament yeah we have uh, we have a senate and then we have like our members of parliament so the members of parliament are supposed to represent the common people and the senate is your sober second oversight or whatever and then you have your prime minister who. Yeah, yeah, he's questionable currently, but you know, you know, mo- loved him for so long. <laughs> yeah, what? but it turns what? out he's uh, well, he's he's the um, he's con- uh, committed five 
illegal ethical violations in this office and we've never had a single sitting prime minister do one like there's been some questions around previous prime ministers but he's like the only one he's who got busted legally... mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah so he's it's been prime minister like for a long isn't... time too what is what is Canada's... Canada's 20 i want to say 2015 so yeah seven years <clears throat> seven years that's it trudeau's only been there for seven years yeah, pretty sure. Yeah, 2015. Then we had another one in 2019 or something like that. Yeah, it was sunny ways, my friends. And then uh, let's print money, everybody. Shovel it out of the back of the truck and uh, uh, cut backroom deals with engineering firms in, in you know, my riding. We call it a riding. I don't know if you call it that, that down there, but that's like where he gets his seat. And uh -huh. uh, he, he fired our first indigenous uh, female minister of justice, which was like one of the highest ranking positions in government. So you've got a female indigenous woman. And he fired her because she called out his corruption publicly. She was like, you can't do this. This is illegal. So he fired her. You know what? It makes me feel good to know that Canada is also corrupt. <laughs> I, was, I, was, yeah, right, right. I was I was, always just a, you know, a little bit jealous of like, it just seems so clean, just and like, clean and like responsible and truthful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But well, no. Look, by and large, we like really hold these values. Like you look at the recent protests we had and. That was probably the largest protest we've ever had in our history in terms of people assembled. And for, for all that the media tried to sort of denigrate it, I was like, these guys were like shoveling the sidewalks, cleaning up garbage, feeding the homeless. Like, it got a little violent at the end because the police were going in there and beating them down. But it was the largest peaceful protest we've ever had. And it's like, I was like, well, I mean, I don't agree with everything they're standing for, but a healthy democracy should be able to tolerate peaceful protest. Mm -hmm. So... That's the part that I was like, ah, you know. I mean, you want free speech. The price you pay is that you have to hear speech you don't like. <laughs> yep, <laughs> that's that's pretty much it. So, uh, well, I'll tell you what, man. It's been yeah, it's been a real pleasure. I'm gonna I'll send you the link for it's not so black and white. We'll bring you on and uh, you can you can dive into. We'll we'll just let the conversation roll. <laughs> you know, kind of like this one here. You'll get to meet. That's what I do. Uh, <laughs> Kyle and Chris, and we'll just go from there, man. Awesome, sir. Sounds great, dude. Rock and roll. I fist right. bump you, but there we go. Oh. <laughs> Virtual fist bump. Virtual All right, fist take bump. care, man. Later, man. Have a great day. Tell us, take care of those fish. Will do. <laughs> See ya. Later.